Welcome back to the Clemson podcast. Clemson faced its toughest test of the season against Open Date, but came through without a loss. 26 victories in a row. Still, you're defending national champions, and life is good. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight for a special Thanksgiving Eve episode with my co host, Cody. Cody, it's been a long time since you and I have held down the mic together. Um, how's it going, buddy? It's good, man. It's 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 a great time of year too. I'm I'm enjoying college football season as much as I enjoyed it back in 2016. Like as we were going into the playoff, that's my levels are are that high right now. Yeah, I was gonna ask you like as the national landscape looks right now, it does feel like it's been a while since we've had sort of this level of maybe uncertainty over the pecking order at the very top of college football and. Um, would you say like for the first time in maybe four or five years, we're really not sure who's going to be in the national championship game, like both teams? Yeah, no, absolutely. And well, you, you said in the last four or five years, but rem- think back, we were not favored against Oklahoma in 2015 and we weren't favored against Ohio state in 2016. And and we can say with revisionist history, oh, you were going to win that. You were going to blow them out. No one thought that. I mean, maybe the most, diehard homer homerific clemson fan thought that but no one really thought that those are good teams both of the the ou 15 and osu 16 so i think you know i think we're facing a a very uh formidable formidable opponent on both sides wherever we land and i'm not so sure that anybody has a good grip on who's the best right now and they didn't back then either yeah i think you're right i think it was probably a matter of or, uh, Alabama's in. They're facing Mississippi. I'm sorry, Michigan State, um, and then Washington. Neither of which posed too big of a fight in in those semi games. But um, I think it is wide open to your point. And um, yeah, maybe it maybe those years were actually a, bit, a little bit more open ended. Um, but it's exciting. You know, I don't want to take anything away from that. It's it seems like the Clemson Bama inevitability from 2018, and then. 2017 was actually probably the best year in terms of, I mean, our game against Bama kind of sucked, but that Rose Bowl was a classic. So um, I'm hopeful that both semifinal games this year are going to be really solid matchups. Depends who gets in probably to that fourth spot on whether how good of a matchup that'll be. But I agree with you. It's real exciting. We're here at Rivalry Week. Um, perhaps our end of the Rivalry Week spectrum is not all that exciting. We'll obviously get into talking a little bit about the South Carolina game um, here, but why don't we do what you and Ben have been doing of late, which is start with the college football playoff rankings. Um, those came out last night. The only real movement of note at the top, as far as the playoff field is concerned, um, is with Ohio State with their beat, their victory over Penn State, moving up to the number one spot. LSU, um, I guess, allowed Arkansas to score some points and kind of stay in it early on, and then ran away with the game. They moved down to number two. Clemson held held serve at number three without a, a game this week. And then Georgia, on the heels of their A&M win, stuck at four. Um, no, 
I don't know. I don't have too much to talk about in terms of what went on with Ohio State. I guess one question, though, for you, do you feel like that was like a week premature for them to move up? Yeah, well, you you know what I said about the Big Ten, how I feel about them a little bit overall as a conference. We don't have to go head head on into that right now, but yeah, I definitely did think it was premature. I mean, I, I would turn, I'd flip it back to you and say, I mean, what did you think of that that victory against Penn State? And here's, I mean, here's what I think: the, like yeah. the perception and the way most talking heads and probably the committee thinks about it. To the extent you believe Penn State is an elite team. If you believe that then that's a damn good victory even though they, they I would say they were dominant for most of the game even though they, they fumbled and turned the ball over but to the extent that you think Penn State is is a really good team but not elite then I mean then you know they, they it wasn't as good of a win and they they didn't they looked very sloppy throughout and if they would have played LSU or Clemson in that same scenario they probably would have lost so I don't know what do you I mean what do you think yeah good question um I guess my take is Penn State, which has like a top 15 offense, um, according to advanced metrics. Granted, their quarterback went down in this game. They really only put up and mounted one single quality offensive drive. And that was the first drive that the backup quarterback came in. I forget his name. I think it was Davis. Yeah. In the first quarter, right. When he came in, they put up a touchdown drive. Um, after that, it was really, they couldn't get anything done, including with the short field, um, including with those turnovers that you referenced by, uh, both fields and, um, was it Dobbins that, yeah, turned, that fumbled? Yeah, it was, it was Dobbins a couple times. So I guess my point is, uh, Penn state does have a solid kind of to the objective observer, a solid offense, and they really couldn't get anything going that game should have been a much larger margin, the victory for Ohio State. That's where their turnovers kind of kept it a closer game. But watching that game, there was never really a moment where I felt like obviously Penn State could have had a breakaway play and ended up taking the lead at one point in that game. And then it would have been a a different game altogether. And then you kind of see where Justin Fields is, Ryan Day are. Like Neither of those two have really had to overcome a deficit before um, and coach or play their way out of it. So... Who knows, but I just never really felt and it never really looked like in that game that Ohio Ohio State just had it in hand. So now, granted, like, and I do want to take it back to some of your comments about the Big Ten being overrated. I think you got to put Penn State, like, you have to tier them somehow, right? Like, they're they're not complete garbage. Are they overrated? Were they not deserving to be ranked ahead of Clemson? Perhaps, no, like, I don't think they were ever a better team than Clemson. Um, I think they were probably ranked there as committee posturing and setting up drama and setting up kind of like, you know, high profile juiced up matchups. Like I'm not going to say it's an ESPN conspiracy, but you know, there's a lot of reasons why teams are, are ranked and positioned where they are. That is not entirely related to like a pecking order of where the committee does feel they are because they only have to make that call once. And that's the last pick of the season. So I guess what I'll say is like, I feel like Penn state is, you know, are i I feel like they're probably a top 10 team, top, top 12 team in the country. And based on that, Ohio state handling them entirely and soundly, especially if their, their offense is top 15 caliber. Like, yeah, I was pretty impressed. All right. Well, let me make a defense of Ohio state. So Penn state did have a good defense coming in as well. I mean, they're, they're a pretty balanced team. They're uh, S and P 14, 
on defense or I'm sorry, that's. Yeah, I think Penn State on defense yeah. is the number 10. Number 10 S&P. and 16 on offense. So a balanced team. That's a good, that's a good all-around team. And Ohio State pretty much imposed their will uh, from a running standpoint with, with not even using Justin Fields that actively. It wasn't like a JT Barrett situation. Right. He was, he was in a zone read every, every, situa- every down. Uh, J.K. Dobbins is really good. Yeah. Yeah, so like I, um, I guess if your question overall is, is Ohio State deserving of a number one pick after this week? I think they are. And the committee reasoning, and I didn't watch the show, but the committee reasoning I've read is that they're a more complete team and they've shown it more than LSU has on both sides of the ball or in all phases of the game. And I don't think you can argue with that, like having seen what LSU is able to do. Well, fair enough. But if, but they were, they started the week behind LSU. So there had to be something this week that you saw vault them over. And it was the win against Penn state. It was what what we're talking about right now. And again, was that enough? That was, that was what convinced you to me. It's just, I think they have their, they're, they're a bunch of lawyers or at least most probably have a legal background that's probably a prerequisite to get in. You think without bias, you know, you try to remove your bias as best you can. I think they're all trying to build a case. That's what I think. I think, and, and, and they're doing a good job and you see a lot of their logic you see the through line between a lot of the decisions. The thing that gets me is I think they're building a case and, and the case is predicated on data points, data points being wins against X, Y, and Z. And in order for this to, to work out for the narrative and the, and the, the, and the logic, to work out for Ohio State, all of those, those, those teams have to be good. Wisconsin has to be good. The Big Ten has to be good. Uh, Minnesota, Penn State, and, and, on, and on down the list. To me, it's not that they're overrated and they're all a bunch of bums. All I'm saying, all I believe is, I think they're getting a slight bump. And that bump, in aggregate, as a collective, benefits them. And it's not to say the ACC or Clemson is disadvantaged. I mean, perhaps they are. It's a horrible ACC. I'm not really defending Clemson's schedule as much as I'm saying if you started the, the, the year with the, those jerseys on and that perception, I think they would, they would advance a little bit more than they would do, whereas I see them doing the opposite. I don't know. Is, I mean, am I, I, I'm really kind of just thinking out loud with this, but I'm trying to put my thoughts together as best I can. No, yeah. Is um, there, I get what you're saying. I think maybe I could rephrase it. Um, they are making a case. I think the way I've always voiced it is they're leaving themselves options and they're, they're putting, putting the, you know, the chess pieces into place such that they can make specific moves later and multiple specific moves. And I think when you look at where they've got certain teams ranked, you'll notice they have Oregon slightly ahead of Auburn. Well, that who plays Oregon, Utah, Utah is positioned slightly ahead of Alabama. Um, I think with that, and we know Alabama plays Auburn this week, Utah will play Oregon in two weeks, provided I think now if Oregon loses to Oregon State, I'm not sure who gets in from the Pac-12 North to that title game, but who knows? They're going to play each other, right? Like, let's just assume that. So I think just there's a number of cases here where they're just setting up position, like potential chess moves on the board, depending on how certain outcomes play out. And you also see that with how the Big 12 has moved up this week with Oklahoma and with Baylor. Presumably, those two teams are going to play one another 
in a rematch in the Big 12 title game. And does that, it just kind of like sets themselves up to have moves later on. Um, I don't think it hurts the ACC or Clemson, like necessarily. I mean, if there were like two or three ACC teams lingering in the teens that we think had a good case for one of those higher positions, you could say that team would be upset because maybe they're not in position to get to a, um, a good at large new year's six game, but it's not, I don't think it hurts Clemson in that if Clemson loses to South Carolina or to the coastal champion, uh, I think we're out. Maybe we'll pause there and I'll ask you that question. Like, is there any world in which Clemson loses and stays in? I mean, it depends on what else goes on, but the probability is got to be 25% or less and it would require a lot of other things to happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, the one kind of common, uh, common thing there is Georgia losing the USC. So right. like, and I mean, so if they're, if they were to, well, then again, if they would need to win their conference championship, so that would automatically override Clemson. Clemson. I would, I would think. Well, and, let's and with their it, better body of work. I so. guess you'd be saying like, is it Clemson or Georgia? And let's say, yeah. And I, I'll, I'll just tell you, like, even if Clemson loses to South Carolina and then goes on and beats the coastal opponent, we would then have one ranked win, possibly two, if depending on what they do with Texas A&M. Right. Um, and Texas A&M is going to lose to LSU this weekend. So, or I guess this weekend, right? Yeah. So um, basically, I just think we're out. Let's let's put it that way. I don't know yeah. who we'd be we'd be positioned up against, but the, everyone in the country would love to keep us out at this point. So it makes it more simple that we don't really care how many more ACC teams are going to be ranked. Like we lose, we're out. At this point, we're not getting that many more ranked teams in, and that's not on us. That's on the quality of the ACC programs with where they are right now. A lot of turmoil, a lot of a lot of craziness happening. So yeah, and just in defense of if they were to leave us out, like if you lose to South Carolina, regardless of what your body of work looks like, and I know Georgia lost to them, but I don't know that you, at least at this point in the season, I don't know that you deserve to be in anyway. So I think we should find some solace in that. Yeah. Um, let me ask you, like we're, we could talk about the numbers and the, and the chess match and the, and the committee's criteria, which everyone kind of, I don't know. We talk about it ad nauseum now. I'm, yeah. I'm really interested, you know, kind of going back to I state, and, and LSU to some, some degree, what, what these teams like offer on the field and what we're, as we're talking about Ohio state playing against Penn state, what could, what could take down Clemson? What would be, what is it they do on, on the field that Clemson would have a hard time stopping? Yeah. Um, I think that Chase Young would make Tremaine Ancrum look like a peewee football player. <laughs> and I think Tremaine Ancrum is, had a tremendous season, tremendous career at Clemson, improved a lot. He's a legitimate playoff contender right tackle. Chase Young is Indomitian level suit, Indomitian Sioux level of involved in every play. He's not Indomitian Sioux level dominant, but he's he's right up there in terms of disruption. And um, I fear for Clemson's ability to not have chase young, like completely change what we're trying to get done on the offensive side. So I'll just say like their, their D line, their pass rush, their pressure, um, is something that concerns me in that matchup that said, um, and again, I don't, 
I, I wanted to look back and look at SP plus numbers to look at the offenses Ohio State's played. And unfortunately, Bill C no longer provides the granularity and the data to look at like passing offenses. So yeah. um, you got like they're they played in a number 11 quality offense, but that's Wisconsin. And I watched that game and their quarterback is dog shit. So uh, it, you just cannot take a lot away from that game. They don't spread the, the ball around at all. There's no movement. So um it would just be apples and oranges to compare the two. Like, do I think Clemson, do I think teams could run on Ohio state? We really haven't seen it yet. Um, so yeah, I kind of have a little bit of a concern of Clemson being able to get it going offensively. Now we have tons of weapons. I'm convinced there's a lot of tricks up, up the sleeve in the playbook that we haven't seen yet because the team just hasn't been tested. So, um, I'm going to flip it and answer your question one other way. I think it is the, running game of jk dobbins that is something that would also concern me here um and we can talk about the other contenders and kind of how i feel about that um but i i mean yeah i would just say like the running game scares me i want to leave it leave it up to you if you have anything else to add because i i also want to flip it and talk about like what gives me hope for facing ohio state where i think clemson can win um but yeah any thoughts from you on weaknesses that Clemson that Ohio State might be able to exploit within Clemson well first I'll say everyone takes it back to 31 nothing like that matters at all it's been three years we almost I imagine both teams with the way that we turn out NFL players have done a complete roster flip like who the hell is still on those same teams I mean actually we have two offensive linemen but I mean there's there's not a lot of no there's not a lot of the same players there so like that's not a good baseline measurement so anyhow, the difference between this Ohio State team, which actually you know does have a lot of similarities to that same Ohio State team in the way they do a lot of zone read, um, the quarterback is not known as a as a prolific passer, as uh, as Justin Fields, you know, has his limitations. The difference is their offensive line is really good. It's a it's a different Ohio State team. It's a better offense. It's more efficient. I would say Justin Fields is the better downfield passer. Um, I don't think I don't think I think you're right to fear them offensively because of their offensive line. If you recall in, in 16, I think they were playing with a true freshman backup who you know put Christian Wilkins in front of that guy. It's like he who's going to win? Yep. This year they're loaded um, on offense, and there's not there's not really a weak spot. The weak spot has to be Justin Fields. You like as as Clemson, you have to make him the weak weak spot and put your corners on an island make him throw down the field and beat you. Can he do that? I don't know, but they might, they might just as well be able to beat you through the zone read uh, in their run game. I, it's, it's tough. Well, and that's something that you did see Justin Fields have success passing the ball downfield. He had a couple of deep touchdown passes um, that were impressive, certainly. That's Penn State's weakness, and this is Clemson's strength, is their secondary and is their pass coverage. And I do feel like... I want to bring up the name or bring back up the name Darian Kendrick. Like that could potentially be an area. I believe he's still pretty unproven um, where he has been tested against the better quarterbacks on our schedule. He's pretty much held up, but again, you're talking about elite receiver talent with Ohio state that we really haven't seen with any of our opponents yet this year. So, uh, but the thing about Justin Fields and I was going to talk about, you know, an area of a bright spot going into this matchup, a lot has been written about this or tweeted about it, but, really you, you start to see Justin Fields having a single single read and then he goes goes into the run motion. Um, 
that's something we saw with Kelly Bryant. I think that Justin Fields is a rich man's Kelly Bryant, more skilled, probably a better, he can make more types of throws. Um, he was definitely a higher rated recruit coming in and has kind of held up his end of the bargain in terms of showing on the field, what he's made of. I guess what I would say is it just depends like what's going on in the running game. If that's going to hurt us, like if they are getting, you know, sufficient yards on first down, then if Justin Fields is making one read and then he tucks the ball and runs, he may only need to get a couple yards, two, three yards per play to continue to keep the chains moving and hurt our defense. And that just changes the complexion of the game. So yeah, do I feel like, do I like our odds against a quarterback that makes one read and then kind of opts for the scramble? I like that generally, but uh, it just kind of depends what else is going on in the offense. Yeah. Yeah. You're well, you know, I, I've, I've kind of said it's a same, the same thing about the like, comparison to Kelly Bryant. They do. They, I mean, it still strikes me as I was watching them play Penn state, there's a lot of similarities there. It's like a lot of game management type mentality from, uh, you know, granted we say rich man's Kelly Bryant. He is more talented in almost every facet of the game. He's bigger, more athletic, throws a much better ball. But man, there's some things you're just like, he's, he's one read. He's and in credit to Ryan day who gives him all these options because it sounds, it seems like every time I've, I've watched them probably four or five games this season. It's like every time he looks down the field, even if it's a 30 yard pass, he's got someone wide open. It's like, how are these guys wide open? I mean, you know, say what you will about the, the big 10, the, the, you know, the lesser teams in the big 10, but well coached, he, he's got pretty good vision. He's tall enough to see more down the field. And again, I think he's, he's a better uh, physical runner than, than, uh, than Kelly Bryan and, and JT Barrett for that matter. So. Yeah. They're going to be a tough out, but uh, I, I think in, in spots you do see fields get into he, he can make some tough decisions he he puts the ball on the ground a lot um he puts his body in harm's way also with scrambling and with taking hits so um what i like clemson's chances are is spying him with isaiah simmons and then again putting his receivers out there on an island with our corners and then containing jk dobbins by loading the box up and then making fields kind of try and pick them apart or try and find those, those little pockets to fit balls in. And I could see him throwing some picks or not having good options and they're going to start scuttling and going three and out. And that's when, you know, what happened to Bama last year down the stretch in the second half kind of played out for us. Right. If you remember how Bama was moving the ball in that game, like, I, there's no in, in no scenario well a team is it, it doesn't matter if they're the best running team in the country in no scenario where they're going to be able to consistently get five or six yards and the reason the reason for that is because there's going to be a ton of a a gap b gap um, corner blitzes everything's going to be coming at them so either they're going to run for 20 yards or they're going to get tackled for loss and that's that's what Brent Venables is going to do it's kind of that weird bim but don't break but at the same time bring a ton of pressure that's what they're going to do at Ohio State give Justin Fields a ton of different looks actually I think Ohio State again I think they're the they're deservedly the number one or at least number two team in the country the best Ohio State team I've seen since the 14 version I don't think they're a fraud by any means but I do like I do like the matchup regardless if it's in the finals or the semifinals just because what Venables can do the different looks um, I think he can make Justin Fields feel some pressure that he hasn't felt so far this year yeah, agreed. I, I fully agree. Um, so 
I guess the other element to this matchup would be inexperience. So by then they're going to have had a number of games under the, under the bright lights, under the spotlight. Um, but it is Ryan Day's rookie coaching season and it is Justin Fields first time through the playoff ringer. Clemson's been there, done that. So I don't know if you can assign any type of point value to that or if that actually freaking matters, but like I'll take my chances with the experienced team and the better coaching more proven. Yeah. I think, I think you do, you do take it the majority of the time, but then there's, I mean, at one point Clemson was kind of green and Venables was kind of green too. So, yeah. But yeah. And then, and then you can, you know, look at LSU and have a lot of the similar arguments, new, you know, new, yep. new coaches, new players. Exactly. And, and I know we already said this, but all this is, is, is for not if, uh, if we lose this week. So we hope, hope we're not throwing a big jinx on Clemson here. Uh, we're just looking at a hypothetical matchup of what <laughs> no, different no, no. styles of play. We're not, we're not the ones to blame. If this goes down, obviously everyone else is penciling us in and talking about it. So we're going to go ahead and say it's fade on complete that Clemson will be there. It's about who we play. Um, so Cody, I mean, we could obviously do the same sort of breakdown and analysis of like the LSU matchup. Um, I, I don't know that I want to do that necessarily. I guess what I want to ask you is like, how do you think it's going to play out down the stretch for the playoff seating? I think, I mean, everyone says like chalk won't happen because it never does, but I think it's going to happen this year. So if chalk happens, let's talk through it. Ohio state beats Michigan, Ohio state beats either Wisconsin or Minnesota, probably soundly keeps that number one seed. I, I personally feel like unless Ohio state looks shaky, it's theirs to give up and they're going to keep the one seed. Then I think it's LSU's to lose the two seed. Basically, they're going to handle AM. Who knows? Could lose. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they handle AM and then they beat Georgia, they're presumed they're going to be the number two. Georgia's going to be the number four. Number two beats number four. They're going to solidify that spot, even if they can't jump Ohio State. You think we're going to stay at three? What does that mean if Georgia loses? Like, where do you think? What does chalk mean in terms of that fourth seed? It means Utah. It, it, as long as Utah, I see. Okay, right. So right? I mean, involving Utah beating yeah. Oregon as a as a chalk outcome. Yeah, got it. Yep. Yeah, I, think, I mean, I think you're right. I think it's 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 all about how they play. I, I I will give the committee credit. Like I think they will look at how LSU plays against A and M and then and against UGA. Yeah. And if they blow State. UGA out, I could see LSU jumping Ohio right. State, but. They'll both have between five, like four or five and six ranked wins each. You know, you could talk about who's got the better individual win or the blah, 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 whatever. I, let them have it. Let them talk through that. Uh, there's going to be some implications for Clemson. If it is that quartet, then I think it's going to be Clemson LSU in the Fiesta Bowl. And Ohio State's going to go closer to home to Atlanta. Um, if it's a Southern school in that fourth seed, such as Alabama, or I don't think Georgia will be there. I don't think there's a world in which Georgia would be there. Maybe perhaps Georgia beats LSU and LSU drops to four. Well, what happens then? Cause that seems to me like a realistic scenario. So what they, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you how it works. So the only bearing about geography is what they call protecting the one seed. And what that means is don't send the one seed to play a four seed close to that four seeds home. And they would consider Atlanta to be close, certainly to Alabama. It's two hours away. Georgia, same deal. Clemson, same deal. Um, they would not likely pair Ohio State and Atlanta if they're facing any of those three teams. 
I don't know if they consider LSU close enough to Atlanta. They might. I mean, that's still pretty close um, to where if it is LSU, maybe they put both of those teams out in Phoenix and then you'd leave the two, three to play in Atlanta. But there's, it's probably like 70, 30, the Clemson's going to go to Phoenix at this point, just because I don't think we'll get into the one seed. Um, and I don't think it'll be a Southern team in the four seed. I think it'll be like Oklahoma or Utah. Um, it's kind of where, where I'm leaning on the probability spectrum. You think Oklahoma could sneak back in, huh? Yeah. I mean, I guess perhaps, and that's worth talking about, like the name we haven't mentioned yet is Alabama. So I think if Bama wins the iron bowl, you might, it might be curtains for Oklahoma. Um, yeah. I don't know. It'd be really funny if Jalen hurts got in over Nick Saban though. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. That, that's where it's going it, to, it's getting a little hypothetical. We don't know what Bama is quite yet because we haven't seen them play. So yeah, like Mac Jones. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel pretty good about Utah. I don't think I, yeah, I think they'll. I think they'll win out. Um, I, but Georgia, at the same time, if Georgia wins, you know, you know who the four is, and you know they're going to get in. You know, LSU is not going to. Yeah, drop all the way out exactly. So yeah, the only reason I was thinking maybe you put Bama in is like if they look convincing enough against Auburn, and they're like, okay, you know, it's a Nick Saban coach team, Mac Jones, who's not a highly touted recruit, but like. They still have all those playmakers, the receiver position. I don't know. Who knows? But maybe it's a little bit wishful thinking too because I would love to play that Alabama team. I think we'd handle them. I think it'd be a good matchup. Yeah. Well, any team. Uh, I mean, we'd have to be the one seed though. They would sneak oh, in as the four seed. No, you're right. I, I just mean if they somehow continued to make I, yeah. it through. I would love to play them without Tua too. That, that would yeah. be – yeah, that'd be amazing. Exactly. But no, I think um, no. Your, your answer is chalk. That makes sense to me. So I it's think, chalk. Let me throw yeah. one other uh, wild card: um, is Michigan. I've, I've been as I'm talked down the the Big Ten. There's one team that's been kind of anomaly, and that's Michigan. They started out the season; they were not that great of a team on offense. They look like you know much of the same from previous years. They've gotten better. They really are a good team now. Like they're they, that's the whole like case of you do get better as the season goes along, and Michigan has. They're not. They're not your uh, your last year's Michigan. They're they're much improved, and uh, they could be Ohio State. They're the be- they're the second best team in the Big Ten right now. I don't think they will be to Ohio State, but I think they could. And in which case, um, so if they beat if they do beat Ohio State, so first of all, they cannot win the East. Like it's Ohio Ohio State won the East already because Michigan. of the two yeah two losses already. Yeah, so um, Michigan lost to Penn State and. Who else did they lose to? In Wisconsin, I believe. Yeah, Wisconsin, you're right. Yeah. So um anyway, yeah, so that's that point's moot. They could play the spoiler role on Ohio State. Now, if Ohio State should lose to Michigan this weekend, it'd be it'd be really interesting to see how far they would drop um from number one with that Probably loss. Not very far. Yeah. But maybe that moves them to number four and moves Georgia up to three. That my head is spinning thinking about yeah. that. But um in any event, this will all play out fairly soon. Um, there's other games out there. Like, what about a one-loss Baylor that avenges their, you know, comes back and beats Oklahoma and looks perhaps convincing? They're undefeated other than that Oklahoma win. I just don't think they're going to have enough. 
I don't, I just don't think they have enough to get over the hump. They would need more chaos. They need Clemson to lose and probably Georgia to lose and Utah to lose too. And I, I don't want to talk about scenarios like that. Like it's just whatever. It's unlikely. Well, let me say two things. I, I'm rooting for Utah because they are the biggest underdog. They're the only one that's not kind of a, a blue blood. I mean, th- we're talking about Oklahoma. Well, Baylor's not a blue blood, but you know, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Georgia. Yeah. Oh, Utah. Blue chip teams, you know. Yeah, blue chip teams. Utah, I would love it for them and their fan base. And West Coast deserves a team and a representative. That said, being in the number one number one spot is is a treat because whoever they play is probably going to beat them by a few touchdowns. Yeah, I think you're right. It's just a talent thing. Like they just their coaching staff's amazing. They always show up for bowl games. They punch above their weight class a lot. But whenever they do play teams with significantly more talent, like USC this year, um, they're susceptible to that talent deficit hurting them. So. I think that's what will happen. I'll be really interested to watch that Oregon game. Um, what a disappointing loss for Oregon. I was hoping the Pac-12 championship game would be uh, both of those teams right there, kind of top five, top six ranked, like vying for that. Yeah. And I, then I would think it'd be a lot more of a slam dunk argument. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see how that goes. So anyway, Cody, I mean, we will certainly have enough time to get into a potential matchup with LSU uh, or with whoever the fourth seed is. Um, I mean, across the board though, like who, who is the, who is kind of the team or the unit or the, the offensive player, the offensive kind of position group that you absolutely don't want Clemson to be facing in the playoffs. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's definitely LSU and I, but it's not, you know, it's not just by a little bit, it's by a lot. Because as I mentioned, I think I think Justin Fields is is someone that you can you can contain, you can you can get some stops on that on that offense. I believe, despite how dominant it's looked against the Big Ten schedule, I've watched Joe Burrows and I went back and watched a few games just because I'm like, this guy's really good, and I wanted to you know like is this yeah you wanted to check it out yeah is it you know is this a real thing and he's he's incredible like he is he's going to win the Heisman obviously. He's just, he's making incredible reads. He's escaping the pocket and the pressure. Like, he just looks like a veteran, like, NFL quarterback. And he's making throws downfield that reminds you of, like, some of the Oklahoma teams over the last few years, like Kyler Murray. I'm like, where did this come from? I think he's, that is definitely, absolutely the team I don't want to play in the first round. I think Clemson is just a better matchup with Ohio State because they play a similar style of football. And ultimately, I think Clemson has a little bit better talent and they'll prevail. LSU, it's just, <laughs> Well, I don't care, and I don't care what you say about the, the defense. I don't know if you have any thoughts on their defense and what's been made of that, but um, like I'll chalk it up to some extent. Well, I do have some thoughts. Like I think it could be it has a high potential likelihood of being a shootout, right? And that makes me nervous. I think the same reason it would be I'd be nervous for um the same reason I'd be nervous if we had to face Oklahoma. Like every year we talk about it, high variance offense, what they could put on you, then you, your offense has to perform to kind of keep up and hold serve. And um, Trevor Lawrence has an off day, you know, ETN gets dinged up a little bit, what have you. Then that changes the complexion of a game. So yeah, I think it has a potential likelihood of being a shootout. I think what I'm noticing though is LSU's offense and LSU's defense are not like the one doesn't suit the other. 
I guess is my point. And like the tempo of the offense, the high pace, uh, what they're getting done. It's really hard to play defense on the other side when that offense is just cruising through, creaming teams and putting you right back on the field. And I would love to, I mean, this is not like based on data or factual info about um, is LSU actually running like more plays per game, higher tempo, like, or, or, you know, time of possession. How does that look? But I'm just, it, it actually makes me appreciate so much more like what the Brent Venables and Clemson offense pairing has been able to accomplish. Like you never really have the offense that Clemson has even seeming to have any type of impact or effect on our defense. And a big part of that is the depth that Clemson is able to put out there and does put out there during the season so that they can spell guys and have like a lot of talent able to come in and, you know, get reps and not have your starters get gassed. And I have a feeling that LSU is just like paying the price for that. And um, they're going to benefit from some of the time off, but that can definitely still catch up to them later on in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, it's that correction period, right? Like, I mean, we Clemson just kind of went through it, evolved through it in a very um, – it was an unplanned way, it seemed, because Morris was kind of going off the deep end in year, in year one, and that's when the West Virginia debacle happened and, and still did not want to be a part of it, and no one wanted him to be a part of it. And then Venables comes along, and I, I don't – I guess he – was able to assimilate a little bit better, but I'm sure he wasn't happy about Morris's like, you know, going super, super fast pace, but then he departs and then it kind of became the, a perfect marriage that when we go back and look through the history of college football, like we might chalk it up more to like Clemson being able to manage that dynamic so well as the reason that they won the championship. It could be, yeah. um, but for yeah. what you're seeing, you, you hear the comparisons of LSU being um, like kind of like Oklahoma and something about that feels a little bit wrong. I think the reason that's a little bit wrong now is not because of the offense, because their offense is every bit to me as good as, as Oklahoma over the last few years. I think it's because there's just more talent on the defense. True. Like they, they're, they're a little bit more porous and they're, they're probably gas. They don't have the, the, the depth, but there's, there's playmakers on the LSU defense that weren't, on OU's defense over the last few years. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I'm not. I'm not equating their holistic football programs and teams right now. Um, I think it's more the the high variance, high powered offenses that I compared, and they run completely different styles, um, but they still score a shit ton of points. So, anyway. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. Fair enough. And and that that could be their undoing in the in the in the championship but, but they are i you know just from where we watched them they're they're working with a ton of pace something yeah. clemson has not been doing as much this season and I, I i suspect you'll see that here soon yep it happened last year um cool well uh, i don't know that was our way around college football um at least the very top what we're expecting from the playoff field Cody, it's rivalry week. Any games that you're particularly excited to watch, either from a playoff implication lens or just good old-fashioned football rivalry week? Well, aside from the Palmetto Bowl, uh, like the Mich- I've already talked about it, but the Michigan and Ohio State game, I think, will be a good one. Yeah. What if I, Jim Harbaugh – I mean, he, Urban yeah. Meyer had Harbaugh's number. What if the same thing happens with Harbaugh and Ryan Day? You mean – The opposite. Har- oh, like Harbaugh's just got Ryan Day under his thumb? Right. Um, I can tell you what's going to happen. Ryan Day is going to get about four seasons until the Ohio State crew gets restless, and then they're going to hire somebody better. 
I don't think it'll happen. So no worries yeah. there. Yeah, definitely no worries there. Now I thought you were going to ask like how long's Harbaugh got if, if this is his chance. Well, that's probably a better question. There you go. Well, well, let's let's figure that out. For some damn reason, I've listened to a couple of Michigan beat writers on podcasts this year, and um, the natives are not restless among the money people and the power people in Michigan. I think that they're like they may have felt like they made some rash decisions with hiring and firing in the past few regimes. Um, and they don't want to jump into a, a flashy hire of like the next Rich Rodriguez that didn't really pan out for them. And Harbaugh's their guy. I just think that like it, they got to see, give it one more year with Josh Gaddis and the offense, like the offense is starting to click. So I feel like even if they lose Ohio state this week, you see how they do in the bowl game and you see if they can run that back one more time and see how they do next year. Like it would be very premature to move on from them. Now the question is like, what pressure would he be under if they look, if they're a two, three loss team again next year? Like I would suggest, or I would think that some of the, some of that might turn a little bit one more year, especially depending on how far Ohio state goes. But I think the attitude of the fan base there is just like, they don't know if they're ever going to get back over the hill. I mean, they should feel like that. Harbaugh <laughs> went to Stanford and made them a, a, a perennial elite uh, team. Never before they go to they go. He goes to the Forty ers They go from like yeah. losing team to a playoff contender, and then eventually going to the the Super Bowl. And then he goes to Michigan. And you just think, okay, they're gonna they're gonna own college football for the next ten years, <laughs> and they haven't been able to get over the hump. So it's like, is it me or is it you? And it might be. Yeah, might be them. it might be Jim. Um, I, I take it back to, he just has not found the offensive talent and the offensive systems to click. Like clearly they're recruiting really well, especially on defense. He seems to have his guy with Don Brown there. So, right. um, I don't have the blueprint for Michigan, but I think it, like, they seem to be still playing at least up until this season, like pro style offense ball that doesn't really work in the modern era of football. And Josh Gaddis was a hire. He was Alabama's OC last year, co-OC with Mike Loxley. And, um, you know, he's trying to bring that reinvigorated style. A lot of people say that he actually is the one that groomed Tua and really got like the Jerry Judy and Ruggs situation going. Um, but he's trying to do that with like Shea Patterson and a bunch of Big Ten wide receivers. So um, it will probably take time for them to get the right talent profile in there. I, I don't know. If I was a Michigan fan, I would be stressing patience thankfully i'm not because yeah whatever but it, well it sounds like they're doing what lsu is doing at a, at a much lower pace and you know no yeah. pun intended like yeah. lsu went balls to the wall and executed it brilliantly this year and it's like you know it only took you 10 years to figure this out now you can be you know a, a nationally elite team and if, if michigan's kind of easing their way into it they're still number six in defense with harbaugh there you're always going to fill the top 10 defense if not top five i mean they, you're right Little patience could help. And, and to that end, moving on to another important rivalry game is Georgia and Georgia Tech. I don't really care about Georgia Tech, but I did want to talk just kind of the, the, the opposite of everything we're talking about is, is moving away from a, a, a flashy spread offense and going less against those principles to what Kirby Smart's doing at Georgia. Yeah. Build, building Alabama 2009. Yeah, 2011. dude. Well, yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of bummed we didn't talk about Georgia in the top like they like going into the season I think I said that they were the matchup I feared the most in terms of like not as worried about Alabama 
more worried about Georgia based on what I thought their offense was going to be behind a ridiculous offensive line. Like we missed out on all these O-linemen, five-star blue chip dudes that would have just changed the game for Clemson. They all went to Georgia and my, have they not done anything with that? My, have they, and it, it's not that like Fromm's not good. It's not that Swift's not good. It's not, that they don't have talent. They do. They could play any style that they want. Obviously, you know, Fromm is not Trevor Lawrence, but they could, they could find a suitable Trevor Lawrence type. Okay. Maybe not Trevor Lawrence, but you know, they had freaking Justin Fields. They, if they wanted to, they could be running Ohio state's offense, probably better than Ohio state is. And they're just choosing not to. So I think that that is on Kirby. He's got to live and die by that decision. I, he's not getting that much flack about it yet. I think some of the national college football, you know, banner society types, like they're all giving him shit for it as well. They should. And I have a feeling if, if they just get boat raced by LSU, if they lose their bowl game or whatever happens, like they're going to be made to, they're going to be made an example of, or basically called out as playing this like antiquated style. And I just don't think it's going to work. So if you remember just two years ago, Jake Fromm was a freshman playing for a national championship, making a lot of really nice downfield passes uh, and, and tore the Alabama defense apart really in that first, first half before Tua came in and saved the day. How do you go from that as a freshman? And speaking of like player development, quarterback development, how do you go from that to like looking like, you know, like an incompetent, I don't want to say incompetent, but, uh, you know, definitely a, a sub-average passer. And, and like his pro prospects, he might as well come back for a senior season at this point. So, like, I know, I feel like Kirby is, like, feeling pretty good about himself and what he's, he's, he's built there. But I think it's, I mean, it cost him a, the, the win against South Carolina. And I think ultimately that's going to hold them back. Um, but then again, if they were to win the national championship th- this year, I probably wouldn't be surprised either. Yeah, so man. They went out. Yeah. Like I, I think what happened was their offensive coordinator left Jim Cheney. He went to Tennessee and look, Tennessee lost to Georgia state, but they're having a resurgent end of the year. Um, they're dealing with Butch Jones's recruit still. I don't think, I don't think that, uh, Pruitt, Jeremy Pruitt is that good of a coach who knows, but, um, Cheney definitely got a lot out of Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle, and um, I wanted to call him Aaron Murray, but uh, Jake Fromm in that freshman season, that 2017 national championship loss season. And he left, and I think Kirby was like, back to basics, ground and pound, defense first, went with what he knew, which was Alabama style. And um, to your point, like it hasn't really cost them yet. That South Carolina game was abysmal, but they're still vying and could potentially, if they beat LSU, like be playing for a national championship. And um, again, like there's reasons we were concerned about them uh, to come into the year, but based on what we've seen, like, I don't know, like, do you think they'd be a tough matchup for Clemson? I mean, I, I just don't think they would bring enough offensively to the table. I think our defense would be good enough to, to get, stops even and, and granted their defense is really good probably the best defense in the country i don't and i know ohio state has that has that you know title by you know through s&p and the numbers but i think they're the best defense but i ultimately i just i don't know that they'll be able to score enough to keep up with us yeah definitely and the same could be said too many. probably for the other two opponents there 
yeah, I think LSU is going to win the SEC title game. Um, it is going to take, like, if you want to say LSU's defense is susceptible to giving up a lot of points, depending on the style of offense, um, you're really going to need to see Georgia open up the playbook and come out of their shell. And look, like, maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe Kirby's actually trying to take something from the Tony Elliott kind of Clemson playbook of keep your hand close to, your, close to, close to the vest um, during the regular season. They're really concealing a lot. <laughs> doing a great <laughs> job of that, if, if that's the case. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I thought you were going to say something about, like, that rivalry has turned um, the Georgia Tech-Georgia one. But uh, it's going to be some time before Jeff Collins has Georgia Tech competing in that, in that rivalry. But I don't know. Watch him, tur- watch him mess around and keep it close in the first half at least. Yeah, I mean, that would be nice. They're, Georgia Tech's horrible this year so yeah. not really looking forward to that the only other game that would be worth mentioning is auburn alabama which we talked about a little bit not sure what to expect literally i have no idea you could tell me auburn wins by 17 i wouldn't be surprised you could tell me alabama wins by 30 and i probably wouldn't be surprised yeah those are the ones with implications i guess to a lesser extent you got bedlam uh, going on this weekend too just the ones that i i'm just trying to think like what other games are going to be happening this weekend that are going to be fun to watch. Um, that's pr- pretty much it. Like, I, I feel like the Florida, Florida state, that's going to be pretty terrible. Um, there's no real, like there's no real intrigue there going on with Florida state. Like they're not going to keep their interim coach. Uh, there, there's not a quarterback race that's playing out to see who's going to be the starter next year. So um, it doesn't really have implications. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's mostly that nothing really here on the West coast either. It's drawing the eye. Utah plays Colorado, you know, that could obviously be a stumbling block for them, but I don't know that we're going to learn a ton about Utah in that game. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I mean, yeah, Colorado is okay. Um, what about Wisconsin, Minnesota, for Paul Bunyan's axe? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the, Can the, I... the big 10 undercard game, but like that's got implications. All right, here's what's going to happen. Actually, I don't know what's going to happen, but I can tell you the narratives. For what? Well, let me flip it to you. Like Minnesota, how did they get? How did they become nationally relevant? Where that's like going to be a good win now when when Iowa State beats them to close the year. They almost well, they lost started. to San Diego State, and then they took I think Fresno State to overtime to begin the year. They squeaked out a bunch of victories in between, and then they beat Penn State. And here yeah. they end up, here they are. They were undefeated. They were one of the last like six or seven undefeated teams in the country. They play in the Big Ten. Uh, it's been forever. They have PJ Fleck. He's a very like boisterous, known entity head coach since coming over from Western Michigan. Um, I guess it's like they everyone thought they were fraudulent and then they actually took it to Penn State, who everyone thought was legit. Like that's basically your answer. And they then went and lost to Iowa, which like losing to Iowa at Iowa is not that like, I also wanted to mention that after you guys show last week, like that's not a, that's not shameful. I mean, it's a tough place to play. It's kind of like you, you randomly up and lose the pit in the ACC. Like it just happens from time to time. I mean, I've been to, I've been to Iowa. Um, what is it? Hold on. Is it Des Moines or is it Iowa, Iowa city? city? Iowa city. Okay. Yeah. I've been to all those places and I get it's, it's dark. It's cold. It's just depressing. So I guess maybe it's tough to play there. 
but their team's not that good. I'm not saying they're not good. They're just not that good. Um, but yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough that it's not, it's a tough place to play. Um, so Minnesota, Wisconsin go down to the wire. One team wins by three, maybe, maybe six. And then the, the headlines read, you know, Wisconsin pulls out classic big 10 matchup and they'll say that's, that's big 10 football. Like it was a good, like it was quality football. Like no one would say that about like Miami and Virginia tech. Mm, yeah. And the, the, I just, I just consider those teams just almost the same. Like there's just not a lot of difference between. I mean, the difference is Minnesota has been nothing forever. Like they don't even have an identity and uh, Wisconsin has the identity. They're good defense. They're big on their O line and they've got good running backs. Uh, we'll see with Minnesota. Uh, the game we did not mention yet, which does matter, is Virginia Tech, Virginia, the Commonwealth Cup. Uh, Virginia Tech's won that since every year since I believe 2003. Um, they have had a bounce back season. You guys talked about it last week. So obviously, the winner of that game will be Clemson's opponent in Charlotte. So that one matters quite a bit. Uh, don't know, don't really know which side I'm falling on this one. Like in terms of who we want to play, I think my answer is probably whatever team is in the best position to give us a game, give us a challenge. I believe just based on momentum at this point, it's probably Virginia Tech. But I'd be open to facing um, a new team yet again in UVA that we haven't played yet in the, in the ACC championship. I mean, they've looked, they looked really good in their last three. They almost beat Notre Dame. And then Wake Forest, 36-17, 45-0 Georgia Tech, 28-0 Pitt. I think Virginia Tech's the class of the Coastal right now. And yeah. I want. I do want to play the best team, and I, I don't care at this point. It really doesn't matter if they get up into like the teens, like in terms of Clemson's body of uh, their their, yeah. rec, their their record, um, because That's they're not, not going to they're not going to leapfrog either. either yeah, team, so it doesn't yeah. exactly right. It's not helping us move move up in the pecking order. So, um, but yeah, you want to get a good matchup. So it'll be good to watch that game. Good to scout. I need to see. I'm not looking at schedule right now. I don't know if that's typically that's an afternoon game in the rivalry slate. Um, our game is going to be played at the same time as Ohio state, Michigan. So the nine o'clock West coast slot, um, unfortunately probably flip back to the Ohio state game. So let's talk, well, let's talk about our game. Let's do it. I mean, not a lot. We don't have a whole lot of thoughts. It's just, it's, it's probably it's a good thing that we, it's happening. It's probably a good thing that we don't have, we don't, care about it as much because we're looking to bigger and better things but it, it still matters i suppose oh, absolutely matters um i mean i don't know that i don't know that jordan birch should really be considering south carolina still but uh i he's still he's still got him on his list right so um i imagine there's some like down ballot um recruiting battles going on still between south carolina and clemson uh, we don't have very many spots. I think it's probably for the 2021 class where that's taking place, but um, I don't know. But on the one hand, I, I don't really want to whoop up on Will Muschamp too badly because it'd just be great for them to retain him for years to come. Agreed. I'd say the same about Willie Taggart. That's, that should be a test of like whether they deservingly were fired or not. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, it, there has been some bad luck with injuries this year. Um, I yeah, I feel bad. Like uh, Brian Edwards was a, is a good player for South Carolina. I think he's. I don't know that he'll play. If he does, he's not going to be full strength. I mean, 
it, it something about this game, though, I'll, I'll tell you this. All I can say is I don't feel like Clemson's going to take Carolina to the cleaners. It's, it just doesn't have that feel of this, like this season. feels like it's going to be a little bit more of a game. That's all I can – and it's just yeah, a gut so, thing. I mean, Cody, the one thing that – like, so you're – it sounds like you're taking the points. You're not picking Clemson to cover the spread, right? No, not 28 points. Yeah, it seems like a lot. However, the one thing that gives me kind of hope that Clemson will cover that spread is how the game played out last year and some of the returning starters on defense, particularly in the secondary, feeling like they let the defense down and the team down um, and really wanting to make sure that this is a well-executed game in the defensive secondary. I think if you see the defense play with a spark and a fire, maybe that keeps South Carolina's point total low and it's going to be real tough for anybody to keep Clemson under, under 35 points. Um, They've got talent, you know, to some extent on the defense, but it's, it's, it's going to be a tall task. So I think if the defense can lock it down because they're playing with the chip from last year's game, I think that's the situation where you see Clemson cover this game. No, fair enough. I I know that they've made a lot, They've talked a lot about their performance last year and how there was, they, le- they left a lot to be desired. So fair enough. And I mean, it will be interesting. There's, we've never had a, a buy this late in the season. So you're going to get kind of that championship mode mentality, more preparation, uh, greater focus. Dabo, Dabo just shifts into a new gear and it'll be interesting to see what comes out. If we, if we come out and throw like a, a dud and we look kind of like we looked against North Carolina, I don't. I really don't like that. Doesn't say. Uh, it doesn't. I don't know. Would you say portend very well for what could happen down the road? Yeah, I guess maybe this is a grim moment, uh, but we should consider it because best to be prepared. I mean, all the pundits talking about like Clemson championship hangover, 2014 FSU style. I I think we reject that notion based on some of the talent coming back and um, just completely different circumstances. Clemson's been blowing teams out. FSU was not doing that. So, but you know, it still opens up the possibility that Clemson could get outmatched later on in the season. We really haven't seen them get tested yet. So, I mean, Cody, like maybe the questions like what percentage odds would you give or if it should come to pass that Clemson does just get like worked by three, four or five touchdowns at some point this season, like what do you think is going to be the cause of that? Like what's the, what's the weakest link on this team that's going to let that happen? Yeah. That's it. I mean, I really haven't thought of that scenario this year for some reason. I just, I see us as being able to compete like on both sides of the ball well enough to where no one would embarrass us. That said, the only way I could see that happening would be, Trevor Lawrence just having a really off day. He has had a couple off days this season. And if you have if you have them against like Ohio State or LSU, maybe then it turns into a three or four score game. But I mean, that's it just doesn't seem like that's possible. But Alabama probably said the same thing around this time last year. <laughs> yes, they did. Uh, a lot of people were pumping them up too. So um, who knows, man? I, I just am not seeing it. I I don't know that we've really seen a Brent Venables team, but Brent Venables coach defense get, get put into that type of compromising position. I mean, I think we, we've already referenced a little bit, some of the fears that we have about ability to contain a power running game, 
you know, ability to generate a pass rush with just like without sending immense numbers through the blitzing lanes. But um, yeah, I think that's maybe where a game like uh, LSU uh, in a shootout situation, if, if that's, pa- if that's paired with a Trevor Lawrence dud, you know, that could be a big problem. And that's where you could see that outcome happening. I don't know that I'm seeing a, a boat racing by like Ohio state, for instance, it's gotta be like an LSU. Yeah. But, Oh, but that defense, they're so poor. It's LSU's defense. I'm speaking of No, I'm, I'm kidding. I, yeah. I, I think that would be, that would be the scenario, but I'll, I'll say this. One thing that it's, it's interest me is the way that Dabo's talked about this team. It's something I, I try to pay attention to just cause you, it reveals something because he's, I don't know, I, I think he has a pretty good gauge of what his team is compared to what they've been in the, in the last five years, say. And I think he talks about this team like they are as good as last season, which seems like it's much. But they, if he really believes that, I, I tend to believe it too. And if that's the case, then we might see something that might even surprise Clemson fans in the playoff. I mean, 30-0 and 0 is there for the taking. And I, as I was telling um, one of our – I think it was our podcast kind of messenger thread. Um, that starts to put us in the modern era. The biggest win streak was Miami with 34 FSU had 29 back in the 2012 to 14 run that they had. Um, yeah. We could be looking at 30 and know Clemson could do something special. I mean, let's flip it the other way. Like, is there any chance this is the best Clemson team of the era? Well, I thought last season would, would be that and kind of close the book on it yeah yeah well i thought so and i I think there's a chance it's just it's been so hard because of our our schedule but if you go through ohio state and lsu and in some order um then it's possible it's on the table it could happen and the offense to me has to has to show it gear that it, it didn't even reach last season or last playoff with with Trevor Lawrence and, and T Higgins primarily through the passing game. I think Higgins or uh, ETN's there and the running game, the offensive line's there. You're going to get some yards and some plays there. But if, if Lawrence takes it to another level with the, with the, the passing attack, like well, then maybe, think, maybe they can have a same, a, the same seat or be, a, you know, have a seat at the table with the 18 team. Yeah. And we talked in the off season in our four man show kind of in the summer about how do you improve on perfection? How do you improve on a 28 point, victory over Alabama to go 15 and 0. it's nitpicking, but like Trevor Lawrence, what he's doing with his legs this season as an offensive weapon, like that is a new wrinkle that didn't happen last year. I think Clemson needed heroics in the passing game, particularly on third down to do what they did against Alabama. <coughs> and I also think ETN while he had a crazy good game with good stats and got the ball in the end zone for Clemson, he could also be, like a very significant factor more than he was. I th- well, yeah, I think so, especially with in, in the passing game where he's improved. And I know that's been written about a lot and it's nothing new, but the, uh, the checkdowns and just taking a safer option in the passing game, which has gotten Lawrence into trouble, it's not just going to help him not get into trouble. It's going to open up things and it's going to make the offense better. So I imagine Tony Elliott's going to, and just drill that into his head um, because I, I talked about it last week. If you can get Etienne the ball in the open field, like that's a good, that's all that shouldn't be plan B or plan C. That should just be plan A. Yeah. That's that's second down after he's run it for eight yards on first down. Right. 
Um, cool. Well, that's probably a good spot for us to wrap for this week, Cody, um, provided I can stitch all this audio together. So, uh, uh, good show. I feel like obviously we didn't have a game to recap this week, but tons of action going on nationally. Definitely a good moment to check in on, you know, potential opponents that we could be facing here coming up. Um, we did definitely on purpose, I think did not break down too much. The coastal opponents, um, we will come back to y'all after the South Carolina game to do that and face whichever of the Virginia teams we're going to be looking at as an opponent, looking ahead to the Charlotte game, the game in Charlotte, I should say. Um, so look forward to that. Um, everyone, please have a great Thanksgiving while you are enjoying friends and family over the weekend and that South Carolina game, please tell a friend about the podcast they can find us on their podcasting app of choice. Just look for Clemson and they're going to find us. We got a purple logo uh, with an orange circle in the middle of it. Uh, we're the Clemson podcast. Um, you can also interact with us on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook. We're pretty active over it, over there. So uh, hit us up as well. Um, and leave us a review on iTunes as well. That's really how people can find us when they're looking for Clemson content, which we know is going to be ratcheting up here with the postseason coming up. So appreciate all of you that have left reviews thus far. And um, appreciate everybody taking a few minutes to do that for us. It means a lot. Thanks again, as always, everybody, for tuning in. We appreciate the love. And as always, go Tigers.